Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is Friday of the sixth week of Easter. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and and to you, my brothers and sisters, that that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Hear our prayers, O Lord, so that what was promised by the sanctifying power of your word may everywhere be accomplished through the working of the gospel, and that all your adopted children may attain what the testimony of truth has foretold. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, for ever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. At Corinth one night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid to speak out, nor allow yourself to be silenced. I am with you. I have so many people on my side in this city that no one will even attempt to hurt you. So Paul stayed at Corinth, preaching the word of God among them for 18 months. But while Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a concerted attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal. We accuse this man, they said, of persuading people to worship God in a way that breaks the law. Before Paul could open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, Listen, you Jews, if this were a misdemeanor or a crime, I would not hesitate to attend to you. But if it only quibbles about words and names and about your own law, then you must deal with it yourselves. I have no intention of making legal decisions about things like that. Then he sent them out of the court, and at once they all turned on Sosthenes, the synagogue president, and beat him in front of the courthouse. Galea refused to take any notice at all. After staying on for some time, Paul took leave of the brothers and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. At Sankara, he had his hair cut off because of a vow he made. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God is king of all the earth. God is king of all the earth. All peoples, clap your hands, cry to God with shouts of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, we must fear, great king over all the earth. God is king of all the earth. He subdues people under us and nations under our feet. Our inheritance, our glory is from him, given to Jacob out of love. God is king of all the earth. God goes up with shouts of joy. The Lord goes up with trumpet blast. Sing praise for God. Sing praise. Sing praise to our king. Sing praise. God is king of all the earth. 
Alleluia, alleluia. Christ had to suffer and to rise from the dead, and so enter into his glory. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you most solemnly, you will be weeping and wailing while the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. A woman in childbirth suffers because her time has come, but when she has given birth to the child, she forgets the suffering in her joy that a man has been born into the world. So it is with you. You are sad now, but I shall see you again and your hearts will be full of joy. And that joy no one shall take from you. When that day comes, you will not ask me any questions. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so it's nine days before Pentecost. This is the big novena of the church. Jesus ascends into heaven 40 days after Easter. And then for nine days, the apostles are united in prayer with the Blessed Virgin Mary in the upper room. And then the Feast of Pentecost sees the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. These nine days of dedicated prayer are especially precious and fruitful in the church. So, nine days, I recommend doing a novena. Do a novena to the Holy Spirit. Um, You'll find one on spiritualdirection.com. Check that out. Pray it each day, nine days. And go with confidence to the Feast of Pentecost, knowing that God is going to pour something very precious into our hearts. All right, that's the end of the advertisement. The Gospel today speaks about joy. It comes up a lot. Jesus says, your sorrow will turn to joy. He says, a woman is joyful when she's brought a child into the world through the sufferings of childbirth. Jesus says, your hearts will be full of joy, joy that no one shall take from you. Joy, joy, joy. But the reality of this joy is that it comes after a period of suffering. And what is it that bridges present suffering with future joy? It's hope. I'd like to quote to you a passage from an absolutely spectacular book called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Now, he was a Jewish psychiatrist who was imprisoned in various concentration camps in Germany and in Poland. And he writes of his experiences in the concentration camp and the importance of meaning and of hope. So I'd like to quote you a little bit. Now, as a little background, he's married, but he and his wife have been split up. And tragically, she will later be killed in the camp. But this is what Victor says. We were at work in a trench. The dawn was grey around us. Grey was the sky above. Grey the snow in the pale light of dawn. Grey the rags in which my fellow prisoners were clad. And grey their faces. I was again conversing silently with my wife. Or perhaps I was struggling to find the reason for my sufferings. My slow dying. In a last violent protest against the hopelessness of imminent death... I sensed my spirit piercing through the enveloping gloom. I felt it transcend that hopeless, meaningless world. And from somewhere, 
I heard a victorious yes in answer to my question of the existence of an ultimate purpose. At that moment, a light was lit in a distant farmhouse, which stood on the horizon as if painted there in the midst of the miserable grey of a dawning morning in Bavaria. It looks in tenebris lucet, and the light shines in the darkness. For hours I stood hacking at the icy ground. The guard passed by, insulting me, and once again I communed with my beloved. More and more, I felt that she was present, that she was with me. I had the feeling that I was able to touch her, able to stretch out my hand and grasp hers. The feeling was very strong. She was there. Then, at that very moment, a bird flew down silently and perched in front of me on the heap of soil which I had dug up from the ditch and looked steadily at me. Now that's got to bring a tear to your eye. The dawning of hope on that grey and cold Bavarian day came from the love of his wife. That light that flicked on in the farmhouse in the distance was just a, an icon of the great light which shone into the darkness of this situation. And what is it that made the difference? It was love. His love for her and her love for him gave him meaning in his existence and it meant that his present sufferings couldn't rob him of his ultimate hope and the promise of joy. Now in the Gospel today, Jesus is preparing his disciples for an ordeal. They're, they're going to suffer. I tell you most solemnly, says Jesus, you'll be weeping and wailing while the world will rejoice. You'll be sorrowful. But the present sufferings which the disciples are going to undergo and which... You know, we, his disciples, continue to undergo. That these sufferings don't give rise to despair if they are born in love. And the icon for the one who suffers in love is the woman in childbirth. She's the one who undergoes tremendous pains. But the pains that she undergoes are for the sake of her beloved, for her child. And when the child is brought to light and placed in her arms, every suffering is forgotten, drowned in floods of overwhelming joy. But while she suffers, she suffers in hope, looking towards the birth of her child. I don't know, I reckon there are a couple of kinds of hopelessness that we can be prone to from time to time is the kind of hopelessness that comes with despair, and that's, that's pretty dark. But then I think there's also the hopelessness that comes with resignation. This sense that, well, this is as good as it gets, and this is the best we could possibly have, and so there's no need looking for more. And in both cases, I think there's a kind of collapse, the possibility of a future joy. So what's the remedy? What's the dawn of hope on a grey day like Viktor Frankl experienced? I think it's the recovery of love. And when that love begins to awaken in our hearts once more, the promise of joy comes thick and fast. 
Because to behold the beloved, that is the great hope. And to have the beloved in our arms, that is joy. And so Viktor Frankl dug his frozen ditch in hope. So if we're struggling with hope, maybe, maybe our love is flagging a little bit. Maybe we've lost the enthusiasm of our early faith. Maybe we've lost the sense that being in God's presence is actually something that's going to be the fulfillment of our joy. Maybe our prayer life has become a bit mechanical, or, or maybe it's even become entirely absent. Maybe we've allowed some sinful patterns of behaviour to get on top of us, and we've just lost our hope of ever overcoming it, and we've just resigned ourselves to the present state of affairs. Maybe we've experienced some kind of loss that makes us think that there's no joy left to be found. Things haven't turned out the way that we'd hoped. Success has been elusive, failure has been very prominent, and maybe this isn't the script we would have written for our own lives. If any of this describes something of where our hearts are at at the moment, I'd offer a little word of encouragement. Nine days to Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is the outpouring of the love between the Father and the Son. And the dawning of this love shines a light in the darkness, a hope that promises true joy. Let's pray in this novena that we get a taste of the love of God and that it awaken in our hearts a new passion, a new desire, that it would crack the rough exterior of our resignation and enter into the darkness where there might be despair and bring a new hope. Listen once more to the words of Jesus. You're sad now, but I shall see you again and your hearts will be full of joy and that joy no one shall take from you. When that day comes, you will not ask me any questions. The woman who's just gone through the sufferings of giving birth to a child doesn't ask why she's so filled with joy. She knows perfectly well it's because this child is in my arms. And I pray that it may be so with us, that with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, we may have the love of God poured into our hearts and that that passionate love for God, which may have grown cold or lukewarm, may be inflamed and awaken in us that hope which leads to joy. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. 
Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.